I've always wondered what would happen if we just sang the first verse of that song and just left it. Uh, that is a song that has progression to it. You do want to end on the high note there at the end. It's a journey from the life of selfishness to the life of selflessness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you. Well, actually, I do know about you. Uh, that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, that doesn't happen overnight for all of us. It's, it's a process of becoming more like Jesus, what we say, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. In a related way, I do want to ask this question. It's a question that I ask couples with whom I'm doing premarital counseling, and I want us all to think about it. So when you were a child, how did you get your way? What were your tactics that you used? to get your way. Think about that for a second. There's an old commercial from Frosted Mini Wheats, the breakfast cereal, and it shows an adult at a table, and they're eating their Frosted Mini Wheats. On the one side, it's frosted. On the other side, it's apparently healthy. And the, uh, the adult is there and going on and on about the nutritional value of Frosted Mini Wheats and how excited they are about the healthiness but then there's this little bell that rings and all of a sudden the adult is turned into a child and the child's wearing the same clothes and the adult continues to talk in, through the child. And the catch line is, but the kid in me, uh, the kid in me likes the frosty icing side of frosted mini wheats. The kid in me. Do you have a kid in you? The kid in me has this tendency at times to come out even into our adulthood. So, thinking back to the kid in you, how did you get your way when you were a child? You may need some help with this. Uh, one of the things that I discovered in marriage, the blessing and the curse that becomes a blessing in marriage, and this isn't just in marriage, it's also uh, in relationships with true friends, uh, but I know in my marriage, I've had a mirror held up to me, and I've been able to see myself for who I really am, and uh, sometimes it's not very pretty. Uh, there's one incident I remember in particular, and I've grown over the last 18 years. I'll just start off with that. Uh, but uh, Julie and I, early in our marriage, we were in a, a disagreement. We saw things from a different angle and right in the middle of our discussion, she said, Charlie, are you sulking? Are you pouting? And of course, my response is, of course not. I don't sulk. Only children do that. And then I did some honest reflection, and I realized that I was sulking, that there's something in my childhood that came out in that moment, and uh, it's not something I'm proud of, that, uh, that immature part of my personality, and I've, I've made some strides since then, uh, at least from my perspective, <laughs> but you're laughing. What about you? How did you get your way when you were a child? Did you sulk or pout? Did you lash out in anger and throw a tantrum? Did you go into silence? Or were you the kind of kid that began to manipulate and sweet-talk your way into getting what you wanted? 
Well, sadly, these responses are natural, and we develop perhaps a fight-or-flight response depending on the situation. It's self-preservation in many ways. Those behaviors we pick up early in our lives, we carry them with us. And if we're not maturing, if we are not growing, uh, these childlike behaviors can become our default response even into our adulthood. But those childlike behaviors, on the one hand, are signs of living in a fallen world. On on the other hand, they're signs of our wiring. And what percentage is what, I don't know. Is it nature? Is it nurture? Or is it the fact that we live in a world where sin does indeed dominate? We live in the realm of the flesh, as Paul would call it. Well, it is part of the way that the world operates ever since Genesis chapter 3 and I know there's a kid in all of us that seeks to get what we want, to get our way, and it's a battle. It's a battle of the wills. It's what the song we just sang talked about, that opening verse, all of self and none of thee. That's the way the world operates. And this goes to the heart of what I want to talk about this morning as we continue to work through the Lord's Prayer line by line. So last week we talked about the kingdom that has come. Uh, The kingdom that is spreading, even now, as I speak these words, uh, the kingdom that has broken in through Jesus Christ, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the kingdom that will come to completion one day, whenever the Lord returns. And the image I used last week was of the little bird that was singing there in that wintry day, singing a song of joy, as the Thomas Hardy poem says, he was singing of some Blessed hope that the world was unaware. That is the kingdom of God spreading. It's an announcement. And I want to build on that theme this morning, the theme of a song, because a song has broken into this world. And the question is, what are the notes of this song? What are the lyrics of this announcement? And what does this have to do with the petition that we lift up in the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, to talk about this, I want to introduce another image to frame our thinking about this petition of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And I would invite you to picture in your minds, this isn't going to be hard, to picture in your minds a restaurant. And you're sitting at a restaurant, and some of you are already thinking about one hour from now. But at every restaurant, there is on most restaurants, there is this background music that is playing at all times. There's a Mexican food restaurant that will remain nameless a couple miles south of us, and they play their music a little too loud, in my opinion. Uh, Maybe I'm getting a little older, as James referred to. But imagine you're sitting at this restaurant, listening to the background music, trying to have a conversation, and then all of a sudden, someone comes to a table right next to you, and They pull out some speakers and they put them on the table. And then they plug in their phone into these speakers and they start playing a different song. It's a beautiful song. It's a song that touches your heart like no other song you've heard before. And yet this song is clashing with the background music. It's a song that is competing with the music that's already playing at this restaurant. And now there's kind of... A chaotic moment. 
Well, I believe that image captures what the kingdom of God is all about, what the inbreaking kingdom of God is all about, the kingdom that has invaded this world, uh, the news and the new song of the Messiah. Because the truth of the matter is, ever since Genesis chapter 3, a distorted song has been playing in the background. We recognize this song. It is sung anywhere and everywhere. It's the song of the way that the world operates. It's, it's the song of the kingdom of this world. And there are certain notes to this song. There are certain rhythms to this song. And it seeks to draw us into this rhythm. It seeks to have us sing the notes and the lyrics of this song. And we know the notes. We know the lyrics. We've known it ever since our childhood. It's a song that is built on power and corruption, domination, self-preservation, accumulation and greed, lust of the eyes, deep divisions between us and them. It's a song that's built on pleasure-seeking and escapism and acting out on our impulses. It's a song that's captured in the advertisements, the slogans of the age. I'm getting a little feedback here. Uh, the slogans of the age. Just do it. Have it your way. Obey your thirst. Do what tastes right. You deserve a break today. It's a song that's captured in our walls in our tribes, and the comfort we find in political parties. It's a song that dehumanizes others, objectifies others, keeps others at arm's length. It's the way the kingdom of this world operates. And it's a very catchy tune. It's very alluring. And for many people, it's the only song that they know. And the effects of this song are devastating. Isolation. Anxiety, addiction, enslavement, rage, broken relationships. The tune of this song is ubiquitous. It plays everywhere we go. Israel struggled with this song mightily. God had rescued them. By His grace, He elected them as recipients of the covenant promises given to Abraham. That through Abraham, uh, God would make a great nation. And all the families of the earth would be blessed through his seed. God delivered Israel from their slavery in the great exodus. And the people entered into the promised land where there was this song in the background that was already playing. There were other peoples there, other nations there, marching to the beat of their own song. A song that had its distorted melody and a pagan view of how the world operates. And in the midst of this background music, God called Israel to play a different song, to walk to a different rhythm, to live under a new rule. They were to be a, a, a light to the nations, a kingdom of priests to the nations. They were to be bearers of this new song. But the rhythm and the melody of this pagan melody was too alluring and Israel joined right in. They joined right in with the singing of this twisted song. And eventually, their light burned out. And the end of the road for Israel was a great crash. Emptiness, 
disordered thinking, and ultimately, exile. That's where the song of the kingdom of this world takes us, the same place it took Adam and Eve. When we join in with the song of the world, the destiny is the same. Deep shame, the hiding from God, hiding from one another, being exiled from His presence. But this morning, I want to remind us of the new song that has come to us through Jesus Christ, that God did not abandon us to exile. God has given us a song of hope, a song of redemption. He's given us a new song to sing. So on the mountainside, Jesus of Nazareth introduces this new song, a song that would change the world. Are you ready for this new song? Are you ready to sing this new song? Well, here are the notes to the new song. I once heard a wise woman say, when you know the notes to sing, you could sing most anything. But here's the scale of the notes. Here are the lyrics, at least the first verse of the new song. In a world that is cursed, Jesus of Nazareth brings a song of blessing. And the lyrics are the words that Rayford read this morning. The first note is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The new song is about recognizing that we really are spiritual weaklings. That when we come to God, as the old hymn says, we come with nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. We are completely dependent upon God. The second note is about those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. There's an upside-down nature to this kingdom. There is lament in this song. We live in the birth pangs. Sin is still present in this world. Pain and suffering are still very real. As we know, we experience it every day. And those who mourn don't seek to escape the world of suffering, but rather we enter into it. The third note is about the meek. Blessed are the meek, Jesus says, the humble ones, the ones who are gentle in spirit, the ones, as Frank Matera says in his fine book, The Sermon on the Mount, these are the ones who take refuge in the Lord, walking in step with Jesus, who was meek and lowly in heart, completely concerned for the needs of others. And the blessed ones are the meek ones, and in the meek one we find rest. The fourth note are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those, Jesus says. This is perhaps the one that runs the most counter to our world we live in. The new song of blessing recognizes that true fulfillment and true satisfaction in this world is not based on accumulation. It's not based on fulfilling our impulses and where they lead us. No, true fulfillment comes when we are completely devoted to the will of God. 
over our own will, when we can truly say, none of self and all of thee. The fifth note is about mercy. Blessed are the merciful. When the reflex response, the reflexive response of the people of God is graciousness and being merciful over being hypercritical and judgmental and condescending, we are blessed when we are able to see others the way God sees others, the way God sees us. The sixth note is pure in heart, purity. And this has to do with motives. The new song highlights the motives that are pure and completely devoted to God and His will being done. Where our chief motivation is not what delights me, but what delights God. And everything filters through that. The seventh note is about peacemaking. It's built on forgiveness reconciliation, love, being people who seek God's shalom between us and God, which is a gift of God, but also, and as it's lived out, between one another. We bring shalom in our relationships as God works things out through us. The final note is one of a crescendo And it is the hardest note of the song to sing. Blessed are the persecuted. It's the call to love our enemies. Even those, and maybe even especially those who are persecuting us. We leave vengeance to God. And place complete trust into His hands. Our brother Rayford was right. These are not just isolated notes in and of themselves. This forms a whole song. It can be mixed and matched, but these are the notes to the song that are unpacked really throughout the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes, the life of blessedness. But even more than that, I would say that this scale, this song, these notes really represent what that petition is all about. This is a picture of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a picture of God's will being done through us, through the church. When we pray this petition in the Lord's Prayer, we're praying that the kingdom would be put on display through His kingdom people, through the church. Now, there's certainly an individual element here as we engage in the battle of the wills. When that kid in us is seeking to get his or her own way. And yet, when the gospel takes root and when the Spirit of God is at work within us, we grow and we surrender our rights and we surrender to the will that matters, the only one that matters, the will of our Father, the will that Jesus followed even unto death on the cross as we follow in His footsteps and pick up our crosses and surrender. 
But as we close this morning, I want us to consider the communal aspect of the Beatitudes because that's really the context of the Sermon on the Mount. The kingdom of God that has come is sung through me in all of my different encounters during the week with people who are needing to hear this song. But even more than that, the kingdom that has come is sung through us. Think about this zip code 78758, the people this way and that way. The kingdom of God is sung through the Brentwood Oaks Church of Christ. Notice, just after the Beatitudes, Jesus tells his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We are a people who should be and are put on display for the world to see because we have a song to sing in this world. But there's another song that's playing in the background. And our task is to sing. This song that we sing, this new song, is going to invite a response. For some... They're going to hear this new song that we sing here at Brentwood Oaks. And they're going to grab a hold of it just as this song has grabbed a hold of us. And they're going to join in with the singing. But that's not everybody. In fact, there are many, Jesus tells us, even most, who hear this song. And it is grating on the ears because that's the nature of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that breaks into this world reigns on the parade of anyone who is seeking to live their lives by their own way, being led by the kid in me. And if, and I would say when, we experience a response where someone lashes out in anger, quit singing that song, they might say. Our task is to just keep singing. Just keep singing here in Austin, Texas. We just keep singing. And through us, God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven for the sake of the world. We have a song of invitation this morning and we have the opportunity to respond. Some of us may hear this song that has been playing. Maybe you have visited here at Brentwood Oaks and you hear the gospel. You hear the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of salvation that is ours as a gift. And you would like to grab a hold of that gift. Please come and talk to us. We have the opportunity to respond in our pews, in our seats, as we think about the lives that we live Uh, Maybe you heard this morning a word of challenge. Maybe that background noise is a little too loud in our lives. We have the opportunity to recommit.